What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Patting the Stats Podcast. My name is Bose. Got TK here with me. And we're back. We took a little hiatus for a week. That is kind of on me. I've been pretty busy, so we'll just leave it at that. We're going to go into some NFL, some NBA, and then we're going to cover this UFC card. Just starting off, NFL, we got some playoffs going on. And we'll just start with Packers versus the Rams. And uh, I'll let you start it off. Yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was it was just Aaron Rodgers. That's really all you need to say. Um, Aaron Jones also went for 99 yards, so that was good for him. But, I mean, the, the Green Bay defense is, is better than I expected. I mean, obviously they're playing against a, not really like a super high-powered offense, but – I mean, Jared Goff didn't have a bad game. I mean, he only had six incompletions all game, 175 yards and a touchdown. But overall, it was just – it was Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, Devontae Adams didn't have a big game, but he had – I mean, he had a pretty good game, uh, nine catches, 66 yards. But the real story was uh, Lazard, man, went for 96 yards by himself. So, really, uh, I think one of the the big storylines in this – in this uh, game was the fact that Aaron Donald was playing with, I want to say it was like torn cartilage in his ribs. So he was pretty much a non-factor. He was double teamed for 90% of the snaps, I would say. And uh, yeah, Green Bay takes the dub. They're going to play, they're going to the NFC championship game, which should be interesting. Yeah. And just to kind of touch on, uh, Darnold, you got to be a, a beast to have that going on, and you're still getting double teamed. But it, I mean, it's the playoffs, oh, so you can't can't take any chances on that. But yeah, Rodgers, yeah, know, just shy of 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and like you said, Jones went for 99 yards, and then you know Lazard, yeah, he had 96 yards, four receptions. The one reception was you know almost 60 yards. So, uh, and they had the one touchdown. So, but I mean, regardless, good game, good game by Green Bay. Uh, I mean, like you said, the Rams are nothing special, but you know, 32 18, that's a, that's a respectable win right there for sure. Yeah. And I just want to give a shout out to one of the receivers on the Packers. His name is Equinemius St. Brown. What a name. It's a great name. That's a great football name. Equinemius. I love it. So uh, let's keep it pushing on to the next game. Game in which you had picked the Ravens. I picked the Bills. I know you're going to dog me about my Saints pick later, so I got to get it while I'm get it while the going's good. Um, but yeah, Bills win 17-3. You have no proof that I picked the Ravens, so I'm just going to say I picked <laughs> the Bills. I knew it from the get-go. If you can find any audio where you have me on record saying that the Ravens are going to win this game, then I guess I have nothing to say more. But nah, it was, it was a good win by the you know by the Bills. Obviously, Lamar goes out with an injury. I mean, that hurts him pretty bad. Had 162 yards, the one interception, no touchdowns when he did go out, and then on the other side, Josh Allen. 
you know, a clean game, but I mean, still not great. His QBR was a 51, which was less than what Lamar had uh, in terms of a grade, but all around just kind of a boring game to watch outside of the, I mean, I get, we'll call it a defensive game outside of the third quarter. No touchdowns scored. The Bills obviously had the two in the third, but, you know, Gus Edwards for Baltimore, 42 yards rushing. J.K. Dobbins right there with him. Uh, essentially the same exact stats, both 10 carries, both 42 yards. Gus had a long of 12 and Dobbins with a long of 13. So that's about as close as you're going to get. You know, <laughs> Lamar, not too much in the running game with the nine carries he had. On the opposite side, Singletary had 25 yards total, and he was their leading rusher, which he picked up about half of those in one carry. And then receiving, you know, Stephon Diggs had a game, but, you know, there was a couple couple decent games. You know, Hollywood had a pretty decent game with 87 yards. Dobbins had 51 receiving. And then for the Bills, uh, Brown had 62. But, again, not much offense in this game. Yeah. I mean, John Brown's stat sheet doesn't really jump out at you, but he, he made some big plays uh, later in the game that kind of helped him. I don't want to say ice it, but uh, to to guarantee the victory, if you will. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this game was cool and all. Uh, Lamar went out. I'm pretty sure the Ravens have three different versions of Lamar. Uh, they have Lamar himself, this guy Tyler Huntley, and RG3, who are all basically the same player. Obviously, they're not on the same level, but same same mold, if you will, of player. Um, but I just want to talk about moving forward for the Bills. I just don't I just don't feel like being as one dimensional as they are. I, I just I don't see them I don't see them beating the Chiefs, first of all, but also I don't see if they do beat the Chiefs, I don't see them beating um the Packers or the Bucks. So I, I don't know. I just feel like they're they're way too one dimensional. I mean other than Josh, if you take out Josh Allen's seven rushes, which Two of those are sacks, and then I guess the rest of them were him actually running the ball. Um, they only ran the ball nine times. So that that just isn't going to cut it for me. I feel like you have to have at least some semblance of a run game if you want to win a championship. I mean, I, I definitely get that. Um, I'm going to give them a pass for this game just because I think that the Ravens have a pretty stellar run defense. I mean – you just look back to the last game the Ravens played. I mean, they held Derrick Henry to probably his season low, if I had to guess. I mean, that's all speculation, but it was not sure. a great game by Derrick Henry, and he's, you know, definitely in the conversation for best back in the league this year. So I'll give him a pass on that. I'm not saying they're great because I don't think they're great uh, as a rushing off, you know, running the ball for that matter, but I'll give him a little bit of a pass against the Ravens, but. You know, going up against KC or even Green Bay uh, or even Tampa Bay, for that matter, I think they're definitely going to have to have a run game to keep up with those offenses, or at least to slow the game down. Right. That's what I. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, because they can score on you for sure, but I mean, they typically do it in a hurry. So that's. I mean, that's good and bad, I guess. I mean, against a team like Kansas City with a quarterback like 
Patrick Mahomes or really any of the quarterbacks left in, in the playoffs. You got Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. So any of those dudes are going to torture you if you give them time. So that offense, I just feel like is set up for, I don't know. I just feel like they're set up for big plays and I mean, they're good at it for sure, but I just think that they need some sort of a run game if they want to continue to get better. I mean, just looking forward at these uh, these matchups we got going for this coming week. I mean, you got Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers having a you know great year. He, you know, this season probably the best MVP quarterback. Year. Yeah, MVP season out of Aaron Rodgers, one of the best QBs of all time. Uh, then you're looking at the Bills with Josh Allen, who's a very good looking up and coming quarterback. I mean, yeah, he was right there in terms of putting his name on that list for MVP. Uh, you got Patrick Mahomes, who's been the best quarterback, you know, all around for the past few seasons at the least. And then you got the yeah. Bucks, who have the best quarterback of all time, arguably. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Falcons fan, so it's really hard for me to, to like Tom Brady, but I'm kind of at the point where – I just can't discredit the dude anymore. I mean, he he's the GOAT. Uh, so now that that's out there, let's just stop talking about Tom Brady. We'll talk about him later. Go I'll just ahead. say this. Tom Brady was the system. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much apparent at this point. But, yeah, anyway, moving forward, Browns versus Chiefs. Uh, this is another one where I guess you could call me out on regardless of the evidence that you can't present. Uh, Chiefs <laughs> went 22-17, and this game was close. The You know, it wasn't to begin with. You know, at halftime, you kind of thought KC might just run away with it, but they came out the second half, and, you know, obviously Mahomes went out with concussion protocol, but, you know, the Browns, they, they, didn't, they didn't lay down. They come back, and they had a chance to win this game. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good game towards the end. Got a little scary for all the Chiefs fans out there. Cleveland only ran the ball 19 times. And I feel like when you have that kind of backfield, you need to just feed them. Especially, I mean, you've got Chubb going for – they're both going for almost five and a half yards a carry. So, I, I don't – I mean, you've got a top three running back in the league and you're going to give them the ball 13 times in a playoff game. I mean, I understand – they're playing from behind for, a, I wouldn't even say a majority of this game. I mean, the second quarter, they were they were down 6-3 at the start of the second quarter, which isn't like dire need where you need to pass the ball every play. But Baker Mayfield throwing the ball 37 times and Chubb getting the ball 13 times, just that's not how the, the Browns offense should be run, in my opinion. I think they need to predicate that offense on the run game and then have Baker Mayfield just feed off of that. But with that being said, let's see. Chad Henney, I mean, didn't really have a terrible game other than that one throw uh, in the that interception in the back of the end zone, which was a really bad throw. He pretty much threw it directly to the DB, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mahomes, was, Mahomes was gashing him pretty much. Uh, that dude, if he's back next week, I'm taking the Chiefs to win it all. Uh, there's there's nobody in the league that's better than him right now. I mean, you could you could make the case for Aaron Rodgers had a better year, and I would agree with you. But when it comes to just being like an overall player, there's nobody that's better than him. Uh, 
Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey both went over 100 yards. Chiefs just have too many weapons, bro. They're, I mean, they're beating they're beating teams with their backup quarterback, which shout out Philly, I guess. But uh, yeah, dude, it was it was it got scary there at the end. But other than that, I mean, it was it was pretty apparent who was going to win this game throughout. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely with you on them having to establish a run game, and you know that's something they have to establish early, but. You know, when you're down 19 to three going into halftime, you're not really counting on KC to slow up. You know what I mean? Especially if Mahomes is in the game, you're definitely, you know, and what he was doing before he went out, you're just not counting on that. So at that point, you kind of have to put it on Baker and let him win the game for you and, you know, kind of just throw in the runs when you can. It's not like it was a crazy deficit to overcome necessarily, but it's not like you're accounting for like, okay, they have 19, we have three, that's not too bad. I mean, you also have to take into consideration that KC can score. And it's kind of like how Bama was this season. Like, if you get down early, you're treading water at that point because you can't rely on your defense to get stops at that point. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to continue to score, obviously, unless Patrick Mahomes goes down. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw the the hit that he took, but it was it was kind of weird. It was almost like he got him like he kind of wrapped up his neck. The guy that was tackling him, I forget who it was, um, but kind of like wrapped up his neck and he like fell on his head, kind of. I don't know. It was weird. It didn't even look like his head really hit the ground. Um, but afterwards, he was having trouble standing up. Like he was, he was like stumbling and shit. So that that shit was kind of scary to be honest. But uh, hopefully, he's good next week. I mean, I, I I don't want them to. I wouldn't want them to rush him back just for the sake of this one season. I mean, uh, they've got shit. How many years left on his contract? Ten. So. They're good for the foreseeable future. But shout out to the Chiefs going back to the AFC Championship. I believe this is the third year in a row that they've hosted it. Probably my favorite to pick it all or to win it all. Yeah, I'd say it's a safe bet. Uh, next game, Tampa Bay in New Orleans. And this is, I guess, my payback. You you said Saints, I said Bucks. And, you know, I think Drew Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees helped me out a lot in this uh, in this pick. Got through three interceptions, and I mean, you know, Tom Brady didn't really have to do much. I mean, the field position alone that he was gifted was enough. I mean, it just, I mean, it just was hard to have turnovers like that. Uh, you know, they had the three interceptions, and then uh, you know, Cook had that fumble that he lost as well. And I can't remember what all led to Tampa Bay scoring uh, or which which turnovers led to them scoring for that matter. But, I mean, yeah. It's just, I think all of them. Yeah. I mean, whether – yeah, I, I kind of meant, you know, touchdowns necessarily. But, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, still, I mean, you can't give up – you can't give up turnovers like that and you can't give field position that way and expect to win a football game. I mean, this is a – this, this Saints team had the Bucks number all year long. And not to discredit Tampa Bay's defense or anything because, I mean, they they got those turnovers. But in 
I'm not going to say that's the only reason they won necessarily, but it definitely helps a lot. When you're looking at a 10-point game, I mean, uh, that 10 points was in the fourth quarter. So that 10 points to win them the game. Yeah. The the game was tied going into the fourth quarter. And, I mean, uh, you know, Tom Brady – not terrible, obviously. Uh, he only had about 200 yards, but he had two touchdowns. Uh, Fournette, uh, Ronald Jones, both of them right at 60 yards rushing. Obviously had a terrible game. Graded out at a 31.7. Kamara had a decent night. He had about 85 yards rushing. And then, you know, receiving-wise, really nothing special going on on either team outside of um, – and I wouldn't even call it special because he had the long of 51. But uh, Traquan Smith had a uh, had an 85-yard receiving game, but he had a long of 56. But he did have two touchdowns, so he was he was big for the Saints. While you know on the other side, shout out. I know. Shout out uh, Michael Thomas, aka he has he's now been uh, deemed slant boy. Um, so shout out, shout out to him. He had zero catches, zero yards, four targets. They were saying he was better than Julio last year. I don't, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> Which is fucking crazy to me. I, I don't know where you would get that from. But uh, shout out Jameis Winston too, bro. Uh, had a perfect game, QBR of one hundred. <laughs> uh, threw the ball one time, fifty-six <laughs> yards, one touchdown. I mean, shit, it doesn't get much better than that. Nah, it doesn't. I mean, unless you can do it the same way about ten different times. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, a good throw by Jameis and the one throw he had. Um, and Drew Brees, he's on his last legs as a QB. The guy, the guy really can't throw for shit anymore. So, I don't expect to see much more of him in the NFL I believe this I was his last game. I don't. I don't think it's official, but I'm. Pre- that's all. What all the reports are saying is that that right. was his last game. Which, right? I mean, the last four years in a row, I'm pretty positive the Saints have lost in the playoffs at home, and that's just a bad look for the whole organization. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it sucks for one of the the all time greats to go out like that with such a shitty game, but. I mean, like you said, he's just – I mean, he's on his last legs. He can't He can't really push the ball downfield anymore. So, it's definitely what's what's best for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, that's not what people are going to remember him by. So, yeah, like you said, it sucks, but it's – they're not going to – they're not going to remember Drew Brees by that one game, his last game. Right. Let's talk – So, yeah, that's it. Let's talk predictions – for the um, for the conference championships, yeah, uh, the Bucks obviously going to be in Green Bay, cold weather. The line is three and a half uh, in Green Bay's favor. The over under on this game fifty and a half. Mm, I think I would probably take the over on that. Actually, then again, I don't know, man, because the last time they played, I'm pretty whether the Bucks win thirty eight to ten. I'm almost positive. So that's, I mean, that's all I remember from these two teams this year is, is the Bucks beating the shit out of them. Uh, but who knows? I mean, maybe Tom Brady's used to this, to the cold weather shit, obviously. 
Um, but who knows how the rest of the team will will adjust to that. Uh, but it'll be an interesting game. I think I'm going to take – this is a tough one, bro. Um, I think I'm going to take the Packers. I, I would say that's the safe bet. I'm rolling Packers on this one too. That's just kind of what I have in my heart. I think that I think that Aaron Rodgers' season is going to, you know, end with him going to a Super Bowl. So I'm going to go Packers as well. But I think it'll be a close game. I really do. I think. Uh, I mean, because I'm not counting Tom Brady out. You know, definitely not in a you conference can. championship game. No, you really can't. I'm not counting that guy out because people have done that before. And that's why I think – I mean, I, I could see Green Bay being able to win this game big. And, I mean, clearly you can see it going the opposite way too. But I think the Packers are, at the moment, are a little bit better built for this than the, than the Bucks are. But I still think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a – a shootout, and I think that the Green Bay will come away with the victory. But I do think they cover. That that Tampa Bay offense, is you just can't let them get rolling because uh, they'll fucking torch you if you do. So the, ne- the next game for me is, is kind of the Bills and Chiefs, obviously, is kind of dependent on if Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to play or not. If he yeah. is there, I'm taking the Chiefs. If he's not there, I'm taking the Bills. I mean, it's it's pretty – I mean, that's – I feel like that's probably what most people would say. Right. And yeah, I, I completely agree with that, and that's pretty much my assessment of that, how that game's going to go. I mean, I said, I said this kind of since the beginning of the season. I mean, the Bills' defense has let me down. They, I mean, they did well last game against a, an injured team, you know, got, you know, missing their star player. So, but yeah, I, I'm rolling with the Chiefs in this one if Mahomes is there, but I, I can't bet against Josh Allen if Mahomes isn't on his, you know, on the opposite side. That That's really about all there is to it for me is it really just, it really just boils down to whether Mahomes is there or not. Right. And I mean, I was just going to say this, um, and this is more than likely because he's questionable at the time, Mahomes. Um, and then also Sammy Watkins, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all questionable. So right now, the ESPN matchup predictor has uh, the has Buffalo favored to win this game. And the the line on this game is still KC – negative three so they're still favored by you know betting odds to win but the over under on this game 53 and a half if Mahomes is out I think you might want to take the under on that but that that, that yeah if he's there then you need to take the over and then some yeah I would I would definitely agree I can see this being a pretty high scoring game but great matchups for conference championships I'm pretty excited for this this is 100 percent this is definitely by far my favorite part of the NFL season, especially being a – Oh, without a doubt. I mean, just not having a dog in the fight, just, you know, being able to watch championship-level football. So, that's that's my whole thing with it. I mean, if I had a team that I rooted for, maybe I wouldn't care so much. But 
if they weren't in it, that is. I mean, if they were, then obviously I'd be very, uh, very vested in in these playoffs. But just the fact that I don't have a dog in the fight really, really makes me enjoy watching these games because there's no kind of heartbreak or anything like that. But moving on, let's just touch on, I guess some uh, some of the NBA stuff right now. Uh, just run through some of these teams. Um, what they got going for them and how they're doing and all that shit. So uh, Brooklyn got James Harden. We actually haven't talked about this yet. Uh, That's ridiculous that they still have KD or not KD, but Kyrie and managed to get James Harden too. So, (laughs) I mean, they're coming out of the East. If Kyrie is going to show up ever again, he's selling the shit out my fantasy team. Yeah. We talked about that on the, the lost episode, but we won't get into it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great move for the Nets. Harden looked really good in his first game. He had, a, what was it, triple-double, I believe? 32-point triple-double, yeah. Yeah, which guy seems happy already in, in Brooklyn. But, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Kyrie back, and who knows. It's just – it's funny to me – you know, Kyrie left the Cavs because he didn't want to play second fiddle to LeBron. <laughs> he wanted to have his own team where he was the guy, and now he's the number three guy on the Brooklyn Nets. So that, that's just kind of ironic to me how that worked out. The Bucks they've they've pushed their way back up into the number one spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, my Miami Heat, man. Really disappointed so far. Struggling. Good gosh, man. I've I've just. I mean, they're on a three-game losing streak. They lost to fucking Detroit. Like, how does that happen? By like twenty. Yeah, by a lot. It's fucking pathetic. But yeah, they're 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 pathetic so far this season. I had a lot of a lot of hope for that team. Thought they were really scrappy. And then obviously. You know the uh, the Lakers, eleven and three, best team in the league. Surprise, surprise. Seven and <laughs> seven and zero away. Great stat. I mean, they're they're better at they're better away from home than they are at home because they're. I mean, they're damn near five hundred. They're four and three at home, but you know, just winning them games on the road. That's that's always huge when you can go into somebody else's house and and win ball games. And yeah. then who else? One of the – so let's just – let me say this real quick. There are four teams in the West that are six and six. So, I mean, the Mavericks being one of them, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, I would say probably my surprise we'll, – we'll go through both conferences and just give like a surprise team. So my surprise team in the West is going to be the Spurs. They're sitting at the five spot right now, eight and six, playing well. I didn't see them being as good as they are, honestly. I mean, you got DeJounte Murray giving you damn near a triple-double every night with amazing defense. And then all those other young guys they got, uh, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, all those dudes. Um, And then in the East – Honestly, I mean, I'm, I would say the Raptors just for being so bad, but at the same time, I'm going to have to roll with the Knicks. Uh, 
They're seven and eight, sitting at the sixth spot right now. Two-game win streak, just beat the Celtics by 20, 30 last night. Um, so that that's interesting to me. I did not – I don't know what the Knicks are doing. Uh, I don't think it will last. I know they're shooting like a some ridiculous percentage from three. Uh, so, I mean, Julius Randle is, is prime Hakeem Olajuwon at this point. But shit, who knows if they can keep that up? I, I don't see it. If they do, Julius Randle needs to be the MVP. Yeah, those are my those are my two teams. I mean, I, I would agree, you know, in those being surprises. But um, it's, it's just to me, it's so sad that a seven and eight team is actually surprising. <laughs> I mean, you look at the name like that just tells you like how how shitty you've been for as long as I can remember, for that matter. But. Uh, the Raptors. Got, I, I'm gonna have to say the Raptors. That that's that's just a surprise how bad they are. I, I didn't see that happening. And then the West, my surprise team, probably Utah. Honestly, um, I didn't think they were gonna be terrible. I mean, they're on a they're on a five game win streak right now. You know, because they they started four and four, um, and they're rattling off this five game win streak right now. They're looking pretty good. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I mean, before the season started, obviously it's – I mean, they're 13, 14 games in, so it's it's kind of hard to tell where these teams are going to end up at. But I just remember saying on one of our earlier podcasts, saying that the Jazz are just going to be the same team they always are because they're going to – they didn't make any changes hardly in uh, free agency or anything. But, I mean, shit, they're looking good so far. Uh I mean, it pretty much is the same team. Bogdanovich isn't doing what he's capable of. But, I mean, I'm sure he'll settle in. I'm sure that'll come with time. And if – I mean, if he can give you 20 a game and Jordan Clarkson keeps scoring like he's scoring off the bench, then, I mean, they're going to be a tough tough night out for anybody. Right. I mean, just kind of looking at who they've beat, not even just on – they're straight that they're on now, but I mean, they, they beat the trailblazers by 20, uh, in their opener. Uh, they had a, a pretty big win over the Spurs. It was like 30, uh, 130 to like one Oh nine or something, uh, beat the Clippers early. And then, you know, on the streak, they beat the bucks who are the best team out of the East right now. And they got a win over the Hawks in which they beat the shit out of them too. And yeah, I mean, the Hawks, I think the Hawks are a lot better than what their record shows. And that to me, that's why that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think they've got some really good wins. Uh, they got some bad wins or bad losses too, but I mean, they're, they're, they've just been on fire lately. So one thing I want to mention about the Hawks is, you know, they were rolling, right? Had just beat the, the Nets by like 20 or whatever. And uh, so they were rolling. Had just beat the uh, the Nets by somewhere in the 20, 20 point range. And then Steve Nash comes out and says, "The way Trey Young plays basketball isn't basketball. How he would get people behind him, get by him, and kind of get him on his hip, maybe a little more behind him, and then get him to get them to jump into him and get the foul call every time." Um, so Steve Nash says that's not real basketball. And then I believe that same day, a couple days later, 
apparently John Collins has a issue with with Trey Young during film session talking about how he runs the offense and shit like that. And ever since then, bro, because I, I don't I saw this on Twitter. I'm not sure the validity of it or anything, but uh, from what I've heard, Steve Nash was Trey Young's favorite player when he was like growing up and all that stuff. So I guess to hear him say something like that about his game kind of like threw him off or whatever, but he's just been in a slump ever since uh, really been struggling shooting the ball. Uh, his three point percentage is, is really bad right now. I think it's somewhere 29, 30% somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, obviously he's shooting a shitload of them, so it's not going to be Steph Curry numbers, but uh, I don't know, dude, that, that, I guess it's kind of a a mental thing with him right now. He's kind of uh, kind of going through it. I mean, they won their game today against uh, – let me see who they played real quick. They played the T-Wolves today. And, I mean, obviously the T-Wolves are ass. They don't even have Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns anymore. Or right now he's got COVID. But, I mean, Trey Young only shot the ball eight times tonight. I mean, he had 20 and 13, which is good. But I don't know, dude. I just feel like his confidence is is low right now for some reason. He's just not playing with the same conviction that he was when the season started. I mean, who knows who's going on there or what's going on there. You would think, you know, the guy being a professional athlete, something like that shouldn't really get to him. But um, – I mean, we'll see how he finishes this season out, or I'm sure at some point he'll pick back up. But yeah, you're right; he hasn't hasn't been doing too well since that comment. I wanted to I wanted to shout out Demar Derozan for the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs in general have kind of you know been on their own little tear lately. They're six and two in their last eight games. Got wins over. Both LA teams uh, got a win over the Rockets and the Trailblazers in their last two. But, you know, DeMar DeRozan, you know, 20.7 points per game uh, leading in that. And, you know, also 6.7 assists per game, which he also leads the team in. So, I mean, he's, he's looking pretty good this year I mean, offensively. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice to see him uh... – facilitating like that because that's always been kind of I don't want to say his downfall because that's not really his that was never really his role in Toronto but I mean he's a guy that you, if you want him to be successful he's going to need the ball in his hand so to see him facilitate like that is always good it's always good to see growth I just just want to give one more shout out to uh, Memphis they're also on a five-game winning streak right now which you know two and six start and they've rattled off five wins in a row. So they're actually creeping up uh, in that same division that San Antonio's in right now. Yeah, and I believe four of those games, they didn't have John Morant. He just came back for the last one, if I'm not mistaken. So big ups to them. Uh, And they still don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. So missing two of their three best players and still rattling off wins is is hella impressive. So we'll we'll, – We'll just start at the bottom of this of this main card. Um, let's see if there's any notable ones in the – nothing really no, – the prelims were kind of snooze fest. All five of them went to decisions. Uh, but the main card, first card on ABC, uh, shout out the UFC for getting that done. Um, 
first fight, oh, Jesus, uh, Puna Hale, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that one. Soriano knocked out uh, Dusko Todorovic with a punch, obviously. Um, so good shit to him. I didn't even I didn't see that fight to be honest. But uh, the next one, Alessio DeCirico knocked out Joaquin Internet Sensation, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, he had that viral knockout. Um, I know before the fight was going on, they were kind of talking back and forth in the cage and. Uh, Joaquin Buck or Dakirico De- said he wasn't scared of Buckley or some shit like that. Or no, this was at the weigh-ins. I'm sorry, at the weigh-ins. And Buckley told him, "You should be scared of me," and then proceeded to get knocked out with a head kick. So <laughs> that's a uh, that's a bad look for for Buckley. Um, and I guess I should just say all of these fights on on the main card were phenomenal. I didn't watch the first one, but the four that I did watch were phenomenal. Uh, Next fight, Li Jingliang, Jingliang, however you pronounce that, knocks out Santiago Ponzinibbio. Huge win for Lee. Uh, crack him into that top 15, top 10 range because Ponzinibbio was on, if I'm not mistaken, the first or second longest win streak in the division, I think. I'm not 100% on that, but uh, I'm pretty he, – he'd also been off for – in the somewhere in the two year range, uh, so I don't know if you if you consider ring rust a real thing, but yeah, he he got knocked out. Um, next fight was a fight that would have been way better like five years ago, but uh, yeah. Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, still a damn good fight, honestly. Um, a little more, there was a little more wrestling than I expected in this fight. Uh, I expected this to pretty much solely be a, a stand-up fight, but Condit outlanded him total strikes one fifty-seven to thirty-seven. So, I mean, I wouldn't say domination because Matt Brown did he held him down for a good little while, but uh, yeah, Condit gets the win thirty twenty-seven on all three scorecards. I was gonna say, uh, I mean, Condit outstruck him. By a large amount. By I mean, he had 120 more total strikes than Condit. Uh, I'm sorry, than Brown did. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Condit won every round in this fight. So yeah, I mean, you can, like you said, it maybe didn't look like a dominant performance, but I mean, anytime you win every round, you kind of got to call that dominant because you had. You know, you gave yourself no chance of losing by winning every round, but it's kind of good to see Condit back to winning. He's always kind of been a guy that you just want to see fight. And like you said, I mean, when you're looking at a a fight between Carlos Condit and Matt Brown, you you kind of just think this is going to be violent. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But – not how it played out. I mean, like you said, a good fight nonetheless. But uh, I thought I thought the octagon was just going to be covered in blood after this fight was over. Yeah, I mean, just think looking at their nicknames, even it would make you think that. I mean, you got the natural born killer versus the immortal. I mean, it's like a right. fucking unstoppable force meets an immovable object. But uh, 
didn't really play out that way. Uh, kind of how the next fight played out, who, which was Max Holloway beat Calvin Cater by decision, 50-43, 50-43, and 50-42. Four, 10, eight rounds, bro. Yeah. This was this – was, before I, before I let you go into it, this was the best performance I've ever seen in the octagon. I mean, it was as far as fights that go the distance. This was this was the best performance I've ever seen. I mean, I probably have to agree with you on that. I mean, Holloway looked ridiculous in this fight. Landed almost 450 total strikes. You know, and then 440. I mean, the dude had 447 total strikes landed. 445 of those were significant. 274 <laughs> of those were to the head. So, I mean, and there, I mean, there was really no kind of, there, I mean, there was really no ground game in this fight. I mean, it was basically Max Holloway just dominating the entire fight. And then, you know, that little, that little episode, where he's talking to the announcers while dodging punches and landing punches. I mean, that was that was that was really fun to watch. Absolutely ridiculous. I was I was listening to Dana's interview after this, and uh, somebody asked an interesting question, and it said, "He said Max Holloway has had some really like badass moments in the UFC." From like that moment you were just talking about to pointing at the ground against Lamas. Yeah. And just like different moments. And the dude asked him if Max Holloway was the coolest fighter in UFC history. And I don't really know what it what you would consider cool, but like when it comes to just like badass moments like that, I mean, you'll be hard pressed to find anybody that has more I don't, I don't know if I'll necessarily say more, but, like, better ones than Max Holloway. Yeah, I think the argument is definitely there for sure. It's just impossible to me to dislike Max Holloway. I don't see how anybody Absolutely. that watches this sport can look me in the face and say, I do not like Max Holloway. I mean, he's a, he's a nice guy, and every time he fights, it's it's very fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, the dude in his in his pre-fight press conference was was talking about Call of Duty. Like, <laughs> I mean, he streams when he plays Call of Duty, bro. Like, the guy's a streamer in his fucking free time. I mean, that's just cool to me. Like, obviously, I play Call of Duty myself. I know you're you're not much of a COD fan, but for me, that's just that's just dope. And uh, another thing to add about this fight, I think. I think it, it, it's kind of speaking to the the lack of corner stoppages in MMA. I mean, you see it all the time in boxing, but I don't I don't necessarily feel like Cater was good to go after the fourth round because he ha- I think he ate 80, 81 significant strikes in the fourth round, and then they sent him back out there for the fifth. I mean, obviously he made it through it, which is which is cool and all, but I mean, that that's just taking fucking years off your life, bro. I mean, he was getting beat the fuck up. Like he, he I mean, that that's that's brain damage. Yeah, I mean that's that was a career altering beat down. I mean, that guy there's a possibility he's never the same fighter after this fight. You know what I mean? I mean that can absolutely yeah, you know, and even though he wasn't knocked out, 
that could change after this fight. You know, he can fight. Max Holloway's not the biggest knockout puncher, clearly, but going forward, after taking the amount of damage he did in this fight, I mean, that could really, really deplete the way he can take a punch. And, you, I mean, I, it, wouldn't, it just wouldn't surprise me if you see this guy getting knocked out in the future. Yeah, I mean, you get punched in the head 275 times. It, it's it's going to alter your brain for sure. Yeah. Like, and I think the I think the point that I was trying to make with this, with the whole thing that I'm even talking about right now, is just I feel like I feel like we're kind of at a point now where in the early stages of like UFC and shit, nobody really I don't want to say cared because I feel like that's not the not the right word, but I, I just don't think people were as cognizant of the the long term effects of doing this kind of shit. Obviously you see it in boxing, but boxing is a little more dangerous because you, you are able to take more punches. But in this scenario right here, I, I just feel like this is a fight that the corner should probably stop. If you see your dude getting beat the fuck up, obviously he's not going to want to stop. I mean, dude's a warrior for sure. I mean, took five, almost 450 punches in the fight. And if he's made it that far, why not keep going? But if you're the corner, you have to look out for his safety and protect him from himself because he's not going to do it. I mean, he's probably just an autopilot at that point. Um, so I just think that's something that we should probably see more of in, in this kind of scenario. I mean, I agree. I understand that, you know, that's probably the biggest fight he's ever been in. Um, and you want to give him the chance, but Let's be real. Is that guy knocking out Max Holloway? I mean, no. I mean, I just don't see it happening. But, I mean, you, you basically are living on a prayer at that point. I mean, you're expecting him. He, he, regardless, I mean, going to the fourth round, like, the guy didn't have a decision win, I don't believe. Like, if he wins the last two rounds, like, there's no way he's still winning that decision. But uh, it's just one. I mean, you, yeah, the corner – but at the same time, Herb Dean's got to stop that fight. You know, I mean, that's that's his job. Yeah. So I'll, I'll agree. If Herb's not going to do it, your corner definitely has to throw that towel in. But the fact that Herb Dean didn't stop that fight at some point is kind of ridiculous to me. I mean, the dude is just taking way too much damage. And, you know, just from the standpoint of the fighter, clearly he wants to keep going to try to win the fight. But... You know, let's say he's pissed if you throw in the towel. You know, the guy might be pissed at you for years to come. But, you know, if he's sitting there in his old age re-watching that fight and he's taking a beating like that but the towel is thrown in and he doesn't have to take the other half of that damage that he was taking, guarantee he's going to be grateful. Well, thank you later for it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even a matter of like whether or not he's okay with that at any point. Maybe he, maybe he doesn't get over it. Maybe he goes his whole life and he's pissed at you. You know, changes camps or some shit like that. But regardless, it would it would have been the right thing to do. And I think it, that that fight should have been called one way or another. There's, I mean, there's just no point in him taking the damage that he took. Yeah, and I feel like there's just a negative connotation uh, associated with throw it in the towel at MMA for some reason. I mean, it, it's not frowned upon in boxing, 
people do it all the time in boxing. If you're going to, I mean, if you're sitting there getting beat up round after round after round, then what's the point? I mean, the ballot's already been decided. You know who the better fighter is. I mean, sure, you have a puncher's chance. I, I would I would say at any given time, but if you're not landing shit, like if you're getting hit three times to every one punch that you land, then what's what's the point? Uh, it's already we we know who the better fighter is, and there's no need for you to take years off your life just just to prove that what we right. already know. Yeah, and I mean not only that, who who else is knocking out Max Holloway? Nobody, period, right. to begin with. Nobody's knocking out. I mean, Volkanovski couldn't do it. It's a, it's a weird scenario, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say because I can see both sides of the story. But in this scenario here, I definitely would have, uh, I definitely would have thrown in the towel. We got two fights coming up this weekend. Well, not necessarily this weekend. Uh, we got one coming up on the twentieth. And not really too much interested in anything but the main call. Or I'm sorry, the main fight or the main event uh, in that January 20th card, that fight night versus Kiesa and Magni. That's really the only fight that I have any kind of interest in. But uh, if you want, let's go in and you know we can give our picks for that fight in particular, and then give our picks on the 257 card. All right, so we'll like you said, we'll just go the main card. Um, do you just want to hit the main event, maybe the co-main event on this one? I was thinking this main. I, mean, I don't know okay, shit about yeah, main event. Is I don't know shit about the co. So for the main event, I think I'm going to roll with Neil Magny. Uh, he's just a guy that's just like silently always been good. Doesn't really get a whole lot of recognition. Uh, not the most exciting fighter, if I'm being honest. Um, but, I mean, he does what he needs to do to get wins, and I can respect that. So, But uh, that being said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll with Magni on this one. I mean, yeah, I'm going I'm going Magni as well. I mean, just looking at Kiesa and his last five fights, uh, you know, he's on a three-fight win streak, but, you know, we're talking about a win over RDA who – We'll call him out of his prime in a heavier weight class. Diego Sanchez, guy's been out of his prime. Why is he still fighting? I mean, this was 2019, but but still, I mean, even at that point in time, why is that guy still fighting? Uh, and then before that, you know, he, yeah. he fought Carlos Condit, who had not been the same at that, you know, at that point. I, I mean, I just think that, you know, Neil Magny, he's been at this weight for a lot longer. Uh, and he's done it at a higher level, he, you know, coming off a win versus Robbie Lawler, former champ. Um, and, you know, he's – I just think he's the better fighter in this. He's, he's longer, and I, I see him winning this fight. I think I think Magny has the upper hand in this one. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, pushing forward, let's just uh... – uh, you just want to do like the last three fights on this next card? On yeah, that'll be right. card? Yeah. All right. So uh, the third fight on the card is Jessica I versus Joanne Calderwood. Who are you taking? I'm taking JoJo. Big JoJo fan. Uh, never really liked like Jessica I that much. But, uh, I mean, JoJo is exciting to watch. 
she's just you know unorthodox fighter uh or unorthodox striker for that matter and you know even from the time she was on the ultimate fighter i've been a fan of hers so i'm rolling with jojo bad mofo jojo yeah i'm taking her too yes yeah, sir yeah i'm not really going to add anything on to what you just said uh pretty much said everything that i was going to say uh next fight michael chandler in his ufc debut which will be interesting uh, against dan hooker i i am gonna roll with i'm gonna take the newcomer i'm gonna take the dog in this one michael chandler taking the newcomer but really i mean i would i say the vet but i mean hooker's had more fights but i don't know i i I like Michael Chandler in this as well. He's a lot smaller than Dan Hooker. I mean, the reach isn't as substantial as the height, but I don't know, man. This is close to – I mean, it's close to my opinion. I always kind of wonder how – and not all of them are bad, obviously, you know. You had you've had definitely some guys come from outside the UFC and have great careers inside the UFC, but but the UFC is the highest level that you can get to. I think this is a good first fight for Chandler coming in, but I'm gonna roll with Dan Hooker. I'm gonna I'm, I think I think the size and I think the you know the experience inside the octagon is gonna be the factor. Yeah, and I mean I could definitely this is one of those fights I could definitely see going either way. Um, but yeah, it's just really seeing how Michael Chandler does against the, the upper echelon in the world, as far as lightweights are concerned. So, right. I mean, it's definitely not to take away from, you know, Michael Chandler. He's, he's beat some, some pretty good guys, you know, uh, I, I, he lost a, he lost a pit bull not too long ago, but you know, since then he's knocked out. Benson Henderson and I can't remember the other guy's name, but it, it was it was a first round knockout as well. Yeah, I've been wanting him. I've been wanting Michael Chandler to come to the UFC for a while now. Yeah, for uh, a while. So he finally made the jump. Um, but with that being said, we all know why we're watching this card: Return of the Mac, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Connor's minus 300 favorite in this, and I am going to roll with the favorite. I'm going to agree. I think Poirier is a lot better fighter than the first time they fought. Uh, but, you know, you really can't say that Connor isn't any better, you know, since that fight either. I mean, the guy went on to do extraordinary things in his career, even though he slowed it down. You know, he won two belts. Uh, and exciting fashion in both of those, and then went on to box Floyd Mayweather in a publicity stunt. But you know, still, still something, <laughs> some, something different that you had never seen before. Outside of you know, you had like James Tony fight Randy Couture one time in the UFC, and uh, awful matchup. Yeah, terrible matchup. Um, and then you know, like. CM Punk joining the UFC, you know, kind of somewhat on the same level. But I mean, as far as you know, some, I think that was a better, or I think it's more understandable than the other two. If we're being honest, I mean, Connor's a good boxer. Yeah. Uh, James Tony had no idea what he was doing when it came to grappling, and uh, 
And you know, CM Punk just, dude, dude wasn't even a fighter. Doesn't know how to fight. Yeah, dude was a wrestler. <laughs> uh, came in, got shit on by uh, Mickey Gall, who's not good. But, yeah, I mean, kind of rambling on there. But I'm, I'm going Connor as well. I still think he's a better striker than Poirier. And I don't think Poirier's wrestling is good enough to be able to do what he wants to with Connor on the ground, kind of how, you know, Chad Mendez and Khabib were able to do. Yeah, people kind of under undercut uh, Connor's takedown defense just based on those two fights and don't really consider the fact that those two, I mean, Khabib is the, the tip of the spear when it comes to, to wrestling. Like, that's the best wrestler I've ever seen in the UFC. I don't I mean, you can make the case for like a GSP or, you know, people like that, but uh, Khabib, I mean, he's in rarefied air when it comes to wrestlers in the sport and Chad Mendez. I mean, he's, he's up there too. Uh, so people kind of, people kind of overstate Connor's lack of takedown defense. I mean, I mean, it, it's good is all I'm saying. Um, and I just think this is either going to be a quick knockout or I don't know because all the interviews I've been watching with Connor are saying that he's uh, that he's really like in a good space, like in the best shape of his life. I mean, you could say that everybody says that about every fight, but at the same time, nobody was saying that shit for the Khabib fight. I mean, that was kind of I feel like the build up to that was really dark though. Um, with that being said, I'm going to take Connor uh, by knockout. You got a round? Oh, man. Uh, second. That's a very vanilla prediction. But it, I guess. You want me to say fifth round? No, I was thinking like maybe like within like the first minute or something like that. That's, that's, a, <laughs> I mean, I, I think no. that's very safe. I, I think that's. I think that's probably accurate if it's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, he's not a slow starter whatsoever. I mean, just obviously you can go back to the Cowboy fight and just know. And Dustin is, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can see this. I can see this being in the second round. I can see it being in the first round. Um, I think the early, I think if it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen early. I don't think it'll – I don't think it'll drag out into the the championship rounds, and expect him to win with a knockout. I can see him winning a, a you know a unanimous decision or well a unanimous decision. I see him winning a decision if it goes past the third, but I think his best chance is going to be in the first or second round, which is easy yeah. to say. I mean, he's more fresh. Obviously, it's going to be more easy, but um, you know you just don't see a lot of finishes from him in those championship rounds outside of maybe a few, but I'm going to go Connor KO. And I'm just going to say the first just to be different. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it now, as far as like uh, in the sense of Connor being a fast starter and Dustin being a slow starter, it kind of makes me want to pick like early first round. So I think that, I think that's what I'll do. I, th I think I'm going to amend my pick and I'm going to say within the first two minutes oh, shit. of the fight, Connor by knockout. 
that would that would be a pretty big statement for the return. Be hard to deny that guy a title fight after that. Speaking of title, to fight, be fair, what like what are what are, what are we doing uh, with the lightweight division right now? Um, so Khabib and uh, Dana met a couple of days ago, and Dana was they announced it on the broadcast uh, Saturday that he's waiting to see what happens with uh, this main event and also this co-main event. He also he just said he wants somebody to excite him, which is the most, like you said earlier, the most vanilla answer ever for somebody in his situation. Um, but I get it. I mean, it's it's his thirty and zero fight, so you might. I mean, you might as well uh, make it a big one. I mean, there's no bigger one than the rematch with Connor. But if he, I mean, I guess he's just wanting somebody to to stand out on the night and excite him. But I think they're meeting a couple days after this card too, to get a, a, like a solid yes or no answer, whether he's going to come back one more time or if he's going to walk away. And then I, I presumably after that, they'll uh, get the division rolling again. Cause Dana said one of the main things that Khabib was harping on is that he didn't want to hold up the division, which is, interesting but i guess he did fight not too long ago so i can't really say he is but uh so yeah we'll know something in the next i don't know next week and a half or so hopefully yeah i mean i think it's smart to keep one of your most stacked divisions pushing and clearly getting better with the addition to michael chandler but i I really wouldn't mind you know if khabib decides to go like the GSP route or something like that, if that ever comes to fruition. And clearly that would be his last fight. But, you know, say Chandler wins and, you know, looks really good and Connor knocks out Poirier, I would not mind seeing that fight at all. Yeah. I mean, I, shit, I ain't, I ain't mad at it either way, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. I, w- I think I would rather see uh, – <laughs> I don't know, dude, because these matchups are so interesting to me because you also have Charles Oliveira sitting out there who just absolutely dogged Tony Ferguson not too long ago. Yeah. So I think I think that's an interesting matchup too just because of uh, Oliveira's submission pedigree. And, I mean, he's the all-time leader in submissions in the UFC. So I just feel like stylistically that's, that's probably my favorite matchup. Um just because, I mean, he's real unorthodox with the strikes, too, and then having that that BJJ background, I, I think that's my f- personal favorite matchup. As far as, like, what I would want to see the most, I mean, you, it's hard to it's hard to pick anything over the rematch with Connor. Yeah, I mean, if we're taking Khabib out the picture, is, I mean, and Connor wins and looks good doing it, the fight to make has got to be Oliveira. I mean, I just don't see... Yeah, I mean, as much as I would like to see Chandler, are they gonna would they would they gift him something like that off of you know beating Dan Hooker? I, I don't, I doubt it. But I mean, again, you you know you never know uh, because he's a he's a big name coming in, and you know that's kind of an interesting fight. But at the same time, there's there's just I just don't see a way that I just don't see a way that you can actually put him there. When you got Oliveira sitting there doing what he's done, 
And I mean, just I the think people the that only way that they, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think Oliveira is a shoe in for the next title fight, whoever it is. Um, unless they're just going straight for for pay per view buys, they'll probably make it Connor and Khabib if Khabib comes back. But like you said, uh, if Khabib's out of the picture, I think if Cham if Chandler wants to get a title fight after this, he's going to have to have either a performance like we just saw Max have or some kind of viral knockout. Just some, cause I mean, you know, Dana's a man of the people. He's a yeah. moneymaker. So, I mean, if, if, if he's, if Michael Chandler's name is on fire right now, then he'll throw him into a fucking title fight. He ain't got a problem doing that. So I think it just really, I think a lot is riding on this weekend with both of these, the co-main and the main event, but that's all I got. All right. Go follow us on Twitter at Padding Stats Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at B O Z E P T S P. And you can follow TK at TK PTSP. And we'll catch y'all next time. You're-